Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Classic Series Redrive. Check them up. Let's get started. All right, welcome into the Classic Series Redrive here. Mark Hostetler in Burlington, Michigan, along with Logan Reinhold in the Reinhold Tack and Western Wear Studios, joined by Kyle Forsyth of Manan, Idaho. Uh, how's fall weather treating you, Kyle? You know what? This has probably been the nicest fall I think we've ever had since we've been in Idaho. It's like 55, 60 every day and just right around freezing at night. So it's been it's been a great it's, it's a good winter to show in Loveland and Denver, put it that way, to this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had great fall weather as well. We just I was down at that um Eastern Breeders event in in Mount Hope and just a seemed like a great market. I didn't stay for the sale. I was just there to watch the, well, they call it the incentive uh, program the day before and watch that show, the cart class and the halter. And then they sold horses the next day. But from what I gather, uh, just had a great market again. And, but yeah, the weather has been just phenomenal. We couldn't ask for much more. Farmers are getting crops out and even doing some tillage already. It's, it's dry enough to do that and just been unbelievable fall so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, got a deer a couple weeks ago, and oh, I drew. It's a draw tag not too far from the well, right where we live, right here. And they, it's about fifty or sixty tags, and so I I drew that tag, and I think I went on uh, went on a Sunday. It was right before Halloween there, the day or two before Halloween, and um, went sat for about an hour, hour and a half after it's done chores and um, a whole bunch of deer walked like within 30 yards of me. And I thought, wow, this is going to be pretty easy. They were all does. And the next night I went up there and same spot and all there was, was a coyote and I was kind of getting cold. So I shot the coyote and was walking back to my truck and uh, right in front of my truck, there was a couple bucks. So (laughs) it was kind of cool. It's been since I was in high school, since I shot a deer. (laughs) <laughs> well there was opening uh, hunt, i don't i don't hunt, hunt. I, i'm one of the few here in southern michigan that don't hunt because i'm telling you opening <laughs> season was wednesday uh, of gun and driving down the road there was three pickups or cars with carriers on the back uh they're hunting and i mean you saw some old volkswagens and beater cars <laughs> and somehow they rigged a carrier on the back just in case they shot a deer, <laughs> uh, but no, it just they closed school around here. Um, oh, really? Opening, opening gun day, yeah, opening day of gun season. So crazy. No, I just never, um, never got into it as a kid, and my dad wasn't really a hunter either. And no, I just don't, uh, don't really hunt. But uh, yeah, 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 it's. Uh... It's it's kind of a unique time of year, that's for sure. It's you're kind of in that transition to getting things ready for winter, but it's it's kind of enjoyable right now to be outside and then that's uh gonna change here pretty quick, I think. Yeah, Thanksgiving's this week. Uh I'm sure it'll change very fast. Very yeah, fast. we might get a few uh listeners, people driving down the road to their family. You got big plans for Thanksgiving? Uh, Thanksgiving day, we're going to my sister's and then the Saturday, um, we'll go to Kaylee's mom's for big Thanksgiving meal. 
So on Saturday, but yeah, when you're driving down the road, get tired. Don't forget about that spark plug coffee. Um, all proceeds of course, go to the youth scholarship fund and uh, go online. There's a link right on the drive six website or just go to sparkplugcoffee.com and get, get yourself some coffee while driving down the road for these upcoming cold winter days that we're going to be having. What a professional transition that was. Boy, you're, you're getting a raise on the classic series redrive podcast with those type of transitions. How about the first one? First professional one I think I've ever done. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's new with the classic series, Mark? Oh, well, uh, if you were checking your emails, you probably got an email to vote on a few items. Uh, the first item was to align the membership year with the points calendar year. Uh, that did pass. It passed uh, 68%. Uh, so starting in 24, the 24 season, uh, your membership will align with the points calendar year. So your membership will be due the Tuesday after Labor Day. Labor Day is always on a Monday. So that Tuesday, your membership is due. And if it's not paid by January 1st, you will automatically your membership will be doubled. And I know some people don't show in the fall because I know some questions are like, well, you have to be a paid member to go into class anyway. That's true. But some people don't show in the fall. And therefore, if you don't sign up until, say, next June before you go into your first class, uh, your membership will be 100 bucks instead of 50 bucks. Uh, the- so it's technically due at the start of the season, just to clarify. It's technically due at the start of the season. But it still stays at $50 as long as it's paid before January 1st. Yes. There's a bit of a grace period there. Mm-hmm. In case you don't show in the fall, but I would just advise everybody to try to get it paid. So a little bit confusing part of that will be uh, this first year. So, you know, right now your membership is from January 1st to December 31st. And so you'll have, if you have already paid, your membership will be good through Labor Day of 20 of 24. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. So that that's where it's a little bit confusing. Uh, the second thing that was voted on was the, the spot of drafts. It's always been kind of a gray area there. If they should go with the Percherons or the Clydes, and it was voted on that they will go in with the Clyde Shires for points. We let the membership vote on that, and that's what the membership decided those two things. And also judge nominations came back. Uh, there will be six, six names will be put on the ballot to judge the finals next year and make sure you be checking your emails on that. You should be able to, you should be able to vote on who would, who would you like to judge the finals? So make sure you participate in that. And our, our vote was a little bit down on those two items um, than they have been in the past. So that was maybe a little bit disappointing, or maybe some people didn't quite understand that proposal that Tim Myers put together as well, as far as lining the points calendar year with the membership. Um, but uh, that voting was a little bit down. So if we could just people keep watching their emails and uh, make sure you take the couple seconds it takes to, to vote. And uh, yeah, absolutely. You want that, everybody's voices heard. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, people always ask what your membership gets you. Well, this is one thing it gets you, the right to to vote and, you know, vote for judges coming up for the finals in, in 24. And um, so, 
that should be coming out here rel- relatively soon as well. Check your emails. Don't think I missed anything, Kyle, did I? I don't think so, Mark. Uh, upcoming shows is going to be pretty quiet here for a little bit. The the Royal kind of wrapped up last week and and uh, the North American International Livestock Expo as well, I guess. And that kind of wrapped up the fall season. So we're looking ahead to Loveland and Denver, the next shows. And um, I tell you what, it was just, just a fantastic show season. It seemed like, you know, everybody is kind of rallying and showing good and everybody seems pretty excited the royal was a good show mark you were up there yeah they had they had their numbers were up all across the board from draft horses to uh, hackneys to roadsters every one of them were up this year there was just a ton of horses there the jumping was up so they were very excited about that and um yeah no it was it was a good show it was great weather for a change it was actually almost too warm in the barns uh we had there was times when and, you know, we had to take the blankets off the horses. They were sweating a little bit. And from my understanding, down in Louisville, I guess the weather there was outstanding too, like 70s and 80s. And I've been there when it's been below, you know, below zero and people put up tarps to keep the wind out of the barns and stuff. The barns are open there. But from what I heard, there was just great weather there as well. Kind of a good way to wrap up the show season. Yeah, the holidays are upon us and and just wishing uh, all our listeners. Uh, great holiday season hopefully uh everybody gets safe travels wherever you're heading for thanksgiving or christmas or whatever and uh just another thing don't forget to support our advertisers that support us uh very important that we keep them happy so that we can carry on with the podcast episode 83 has been flying by yeah episode 83 we have a good one chad and ronda cole sit down with us and chatted about the history of the Penwoods Percherons and their hitching and their breeding and just their lifestyle in general. A uh, great episode here, capped off by another Penwoods perspective from Chris Cole. Uh, you know, his wealth of knowledge has been great. We've had a lot of great compliments of Chris and uh, the knowledge of the feeding and well-being of a horse. And hope you guys enjoy this episode. And don't be afraid to drop by a mailbag question. We'll get to some of them as well here coming up that we've received and drop us a question. And I think that's about it. I hope you guys enjoy episode 83 and see you guys down the road. Summit Professional Services, are you looking for a professionally designed advertisement that's guaranteed to stand out? Or how about having some professional pictures or videos taken that showcases your farm or horses? Look no further. Summit Professional Services is a graphic design and marketing firm who specializes in all things equine. With over 18 years of combined experience, the Summit team has what it takes to get you and your farm noticed. Have Summit come out to your place of business and get an on-location shoot of your horses farm or product these guys are great at what they do give them a call summit professional services 260-702-9929 we are joined today from center hall pennsylvania mr chad cole and miss mrs Rhonda cole how you doing guys good great yeah full into fall weather in uh, center hall uh, it's beautiful here today. Sun shining. Should be driving horses, but we're doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. 
Uh, well, great to have you guys on. Uh, just introduce yourselves, and I think most everybody knows who you are, but maybe just give a little bit of a background, Rhonda, where you came from, and Chad, how you settled in there in the hills of Pennsylvania, and just give people a little bit of a background. Uh, so I grew up in Western Canada, um, not with draft horses. Up the Minnedosa. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm outside Brandon, but Alexander. Oh, really? Alexander area, but both ups, up both sides of my pedigree is grain farmers. So I knew nothing about a draft horse. Um, played around with them a little bit. Met Chad at the Calgary Stampede back in '91. His dad gave me a job, and I stayed. So, so not too much. You grew up in Alexander, but didn't you work for? Uh, oh, West Ferguson for a bit, or I did for a bit. That's who got me into draft horses. Um, I had riding horses before that, but yes, it was the Fergusons that uh got me hooked on draft horses. And that's where you went to Calgary to show with them. I actually went to Calgary to show with uh Hobman's Pertrans out of Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. And so Chad has more of a draft horse background than, than I have. He can tell you um, a little bit about his background. Yeah. I mean, I, I was raised always, there was never a time in my life without draft horses here at our place. So Ron and I live on the family farm. We bought that from my parents and they moved just down the road and built a new place. But uh, always, gosh, since the time I can remember, we've had draft horses, not always show horses. We were used to play around just with some teens and do some trail rides with teens and do some light field work. But uh, the er, late 70s, we got more into the showing. Showing horses, geldings, started out with geldings and did that up to a six for quite some time. And then um, 1996, we went over to Pertrin Mares and did that till till we're still doing that. Mm -hmm. So when you went to Calgary and met Chad, did you take the geldings out there to show that year, Chad? No, actually, I had graduated from high school in 1989, and uh, we had sold some horses to some folks in Dawson Creek, British Columbia, Shane Patterson, and uh, he wanted to put a six together to go to the Stampede, and he asked me to come out there for a few months and help him drive horses, and I did that, and then we went to the Stampede, and that's where I met Rhonda. And of course, swept her off her feet, and she fell immediately in love. And the rest, is... <laughs> and the rest is history. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh shoot! So, what year did you guys get married then? Ninety-three. And ninety-three is also the year that we purchased Black Home Grandeur Lynn, um, that put us into the breeding. Was that the, was that the first stallion? That was a, that was 
the first stallion that we owned. Yeah. Ron and I owned. Yeah. And uh, that's when we started shipping, shipping semen as a business. All because of him. What's the story on Grander Lynn? Give us the rundown of purchasing him or finding him or how that went down. Well, my mom was really into the breeding end of things, and she had helped rip Swan from Sires International, who had a place right in Center Hall that he shipped semen off of about five studs. And she wanted him to buy Grandeur Lynn to add to his his studs and uh so then she could read yeah, her so little she, handful of mares yeah we ones, had so. probably uh close to eight nine mares or something like that but so he was handy to breed to and he just drug his feet a little bit like that and ron and i talked about it for about five minutes and chuck and i got chuck who's worked for me forever he was here before Rhonda. uh <laughs> Chuck and I got in the truck and trailer and drove to uh, Whitewater, Wisconsin, where uh, Bob Mishka was with Grandeur Lynn and loaded them up and brought them home. They weren't even home with them yet. And I was getting phone calls already from people wanting to know if we were going to ship semen off of them. And uh, so we figured, well, I guess we better do that. So we had naysayers that told us we'd never make a living shipping off a gray horse but that horse didn't come to us for probably what may that year yeah he still bred about 40 mares till the end of the season and then i'm not sure he was ever below 100 mares you know every every year so uh he kind of made all of those people eat their words yep and were you guys set up to ship semen or did you very quickly set up to ship no, we it didn't take much to set up at that time. Yeah, we did it out of our out of his parents' cellar for the first little while. Worked out of our old barn. If you've been to our place here, we kind of have we have that old old barn next to the house, and that's where Lynn stood because the hit the hill was was you know the hitch horses were the top priority. So we just did it our little deal down here in the cellar. Mm-hmm. It must not have been long after then you got King, right? Because didn't he win the Congress in 96 in Calgary? 95. Yeah, we got him in the like uh, bottom, bottom, the winner of 95. We had agreed to. Was that 95? No, 98, 98. 98. We bought him the winner. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And originally we were just. Uh, it, Avery Sterling wanted, he owned them at the time. He wanted to send them here just to stand them. And uh, it just didn't take us long to realize we really wanted to, to, um. buy, to own that <laughs> horse. So it uh, we got them bought before we started shipping semen that year. And then we showed them at the World Show in 98. He got bit busy really fast and forced us to upgrade our facilities a little bit so that we moved moved up onto the hill with, with the breeding horses and built onto the one building up there, put in a collection area. And um, yeah, there, we had an apartment up there. We turned one of the rooms into a, a lab and made things a little easier to 
to work out of. So let's talk a little bit about the early days of shipping. Uh, was it more challenging than now or how has it evolved over the years? Uh, it was, I mean, we, you know, back then you used the great big blue equitainers and, you know, the costs of it were nowhere near what they are now as far as shipping. And, you know, you could ship overnight or you could trot up to the airport and send shipments out with no problem. You know, that got more difficult as the years have, have gone on. I don't think too many people, um, you know, will ship same day through the airlines, but um, I, I, lots of improvements in it, you know, with, with checking semen and evaluating it like we you didn't have all the the toys back then that that are out there now um sometimes maybe that's not a bad thing though uh, but yeah there, there's been some changes how many stallions are you standing now there'll be four here probably probably just four for this give year. us the give us the rundown of those. Um, so we'll have the Trip Crest Ladies Man, um, Albertsons Marcus Thor, Bellevue Crown Royal, and then we've still got the recount, the full brother to Skyview count on it here that uh, Jane owns. But there'll probably just be those four this year. You guys bought year. Crown Royal too, right? We did. Yep. Cool. So how long does it take, Rhonda, to get a stallion kind of dialed in and figured out? I mean, I know you use different extenders and there's a, a different process to some of that. It, it, that it depends on the horse. Yeah. it, it You mean from like the well, start just, of the training? Or yeah. Already- yeah. Go right from the start, like getting a stallion in, how to train them to get on the dummy or. Oh, that can be all across the board. We've. I mean, we've collected so many stallions over the years that have all different, you know, backgrounds and stories when they come in. And I mean, it it can you can train them, you can have them on it in ten minutes, or it it might take you days <laughs> or longer, you know, depending on. I mean, we've had stallions come in that are older, and all they've ever done is pasture bred, um, and then we we try to teach them to collect that. You know, issues like that can can take a lot longer. But the the young horses, um, you know, especially the Pertrans and Belgians that have have pretty high sex drive, it it's not too difficult to get them get them going. But there is then you have to figure out what extenders best if they do have some issues with their semen, if they have to be managed a certain way. You know, if they don't. You know, they don't get along being around other stallions in the same barn or they don't like to be, you know, they get too fired up teasing mares that are by them and it causes problems. You you just have to kind of figure out the best way to manage them. And then when you check the semen itself and you got to there's a process and, you know, you find out the strength of it. Obviously, that's going to change and adjust with feeding programs. And yeah, yeah. When we get a new horse in that we're trying you know, we'll, we'll collect them multiple times and we'll, we'll test chill it in three or four different extenders, check it at 24 hours, check it at 48 hours. 
you know, kind of set up a whole guideline of how that horse does. And then we'll make a decision on, on how we're going to manage his semen. Um, you know, if, if they're not manageable and and they're just not going to be a shipping candidate, we'll, we'll figure that all out before the breeding season starts and try to have our ducks in a row. What's been the hardest one to train and the easiest one to train? Uh, ladies man was pretty i would say he was very easy to train lots of times we'll, we'll train them they'll they'll never cover her. I, I was talking to somebody at that eastern breeders event about collecting stallions and how they like they want their young stallion to breed natural a couple times before they start to collect it where we don't do that we want to start them out on the dummy and uh, I think ladies, man, he, he took right to it. King was always very good at that, too. So, Yeah, King was a very aggressive breeder, though. And when we first started with him, we didn't have a dummy in. We, we were still doing him down here at the old barn with Granger Lynn. And we'd actually use a jump mare that we had taken the ovaries out of. Because Granger Lynn would never use the dummy. So we always had that mare for him and King was rough on the collection mares. So he forced us to, to put in a collection area area and, and put in a dummy and, and he never looked back. Like he was never hard to get collected, but he was tough on a mare. Quite the life for that girl, huh? That was her job. Yeah. Yeah. Penwood's Equine Products is a family-owned and operated business that strives to support the growth, performance, and longevity of your equine family with our premium nutrition supplements. We make all of our products with locally sourced ingredients right here in the USA, so you can always be sure you're getting the highest quality. We've always been horse people. Our products were developed to take care of our own horses, and we continue to back our supplements with real-world horse owner experience. We're proud of the results, and we love sharing our generations of equine knowledge to help meet all of your horse's needs. We want to get to know you and your horses, and we're here to help with any questions you have. So reach out to us. You're part of the Penwoods family. You can visit us at penwoods.com, Email us at info at penwoods.com or follow us on social media. There was one time down here and we tied her kind of to a board fence next to the barn and she was tied up down there and Chad brought King out to collect him. And, you know, he was, he wouldn't hurt a person. Like he wasn't nasty or anything. He just got, would get so excited and, he overshot the jump a little bit and and got too far ahead and got a front foot hooked over the fence and flew back, pulled the fence out over top of the mare. She's running down the road with fence <laughs> posts and boards hanging off her back. And Chad's holding King. They're kind of looking at what's going on. We caught the mare and we brought her back and got the fence off her and Chad's like, well, what are we going to do? And I looked around and the king's still standing there and with an erection. So we're like, well, I'll just hold the mare and we'll collect him. <laughs> <laughs> right on and did it. Like, there was never any issue with him, but there was some excitement till we did get him on the dummy. 
That would be the hardest one. The hardest one, I think, would be one that we never did get collected, and that was Donimer's Magnum. Yeah, yeah. He he came into us from uh, Don Tribbling, and we knew he was coming to us with, uh, I think Guelph tried him, and then maybe a private clinic had tried him and and could not get him. So we we knew he was coming to us with two failures, and he had gotten away with it. You know, he'd won the battle and. He knew right away when we started on him what we were doing. And he would actually, the minute you even walked towards his penis, he was coming at you with front feet at your head. Um, we we could only live cover with him. And even you couldn't even help him breed a mare. If you walked towards him, if he was having trouble with a maiden mare, he'd come right off that mare right at you. I would say that's probably the most difficult we had to deal with. That sounds and we're like never- you had some bad experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then got away, you know, he probably yeah. got nasty and got away with it. And he knew, he knew, uh, he had won. But other than that, I don't know. Probably the yeah. older stallions that had done a lot of pasture breeding or. Yeah. Some of them. Mares that take a little longer. Some maybe. Clydesdale stallions that came in that just had no sex drive you know they're <laughs> they're hard they're hard to, <laughs> especially if they've been shown and had a little bit of discipline for showing a little bit of stallion behavior that they might have and then they were disciplined for it because they were showing them that they, they were they could be really difficult um i mean we had one lucasia joe came to us and uh he he wouldn't collect with a man around. We tried and tried and tried him. And finally, the one day, Chad and John just left and left me with him. And he collected for me. And that's that's how we collected him. And when we sold him, uh, where he went, they called us and said they couldn't get him collected. And, and we said, well, do you have a female, a te- vet tech or somebody that could do it? And they said they did. And she was able to get him collected. He He just... He wanted a female. I remember really? being a kid. We pasture bred everything, of course, in when I was where I grew up in Manitoba. But we had a Perchin stallion that would breed gray mares, but he would not breed a black mare. And he was black himself. So you'd have to give him a band of gray mares. We couldn't give him black mares. He wouldn't breed them. Yeah, there's there's some funny like when you you talk to Dean Woodbury or, you know, when, when Daryl was alive and you'd hear them talk about collecting old MG's Prince, King's Sire, when they would collect him, the only way he'd collect was on a Belgian mare. They had to go get a Belgian mare. Really? Yeah. Huh. So I don't know uh, what that, because pe- people say horses are colorblind. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how they obviously s- some you know the difference in color yeah because <laughs> king loved white like if you brought a mare out that had white feet as a tease mare i mean what would take 30 seconds would take about 10 seconds <laughs> with him i'm kind of partial to blondes myself but <laughs> <laughs> so like during breeding season while you guys are going full bore like you'll have four studs how many like how many outside mares you got there or is it mostly just shipping or does do a lot of people bring mares to the farm as well? Well, we we end up with a lot what we can have room for when we're training the hitch too, and 
you know, we have about a dozen of our own broodmares that are either in getting bred at that time or foaling. We only have so many stalls, but um, there's, there's times we'll have 20 outside mares in at a time. That That's probably our limit, but um, they, they start coming in January and, and they'll come in shifts in and out till we're done in July. I well, can't you really guys, tell you. Like Rhonda, you have a great track record of getting mares bred too. So there's a lot of people, if they have a problem there, they end up sending them to you, right? Yeah. And that's oftentimes what, what comes. And uh, the problem with that is, you know, it, that can take some time. You, you got to figure out what the problem is and figure out how to deal with it and come up with a plan. And sometimes those mares can stand around here um, for months till we have success. That makes it hard to get too many of them in and out of here when they're standing around like that. Or we always have some come in early and, you know, the people think they're they're cycling and they're not. So you'll have that group that'll stand around for a month uh, till their ovaries, you know, get where they are breedable. They're so under it's lights. Hard, it's hard to book mares in and, and you know, to know how to take bookings because you just never know how long they're going to stay. But we try, yeah. we try our best. Has it always been draft strictly draft stallions or has it been a lot of, uh, have you done standard breads and different things like that as well? Mostly just drafts. Yeah. There's been the odd time, you know, just like offhand, we had a quarter horse come in here, but they're, that's more to just to check their semen. Um, right. so the people can take them and do their thing. There was a saddle bread came one time. Um, we did have a standard bread once, but yeah, mostly, mostly drafts. So talk a little bit. There was, you know, there's always controversy and breeding and things, but, uh, you know, there's possibly some controversy. People believing shipping semen caused the gene pool to maybe shrink a little bit. Uh, were you guys ever like in the center of that? Or I remember you guys in Rip Swan kind of started the whole shipping semen thing back in the day. Um, was there any, any controversy of that sort or no? with some of the old timers there was and it definitely has i mean we've we've benefited from it a lot but i mean king used to breed a lot of mares i'm sure that bloodline did shrink the gene pool some you know by convenience and popularity you know he probably it probably has shrank the gene pool some i i think there are some people that speak out against it but just not i think because of its convenience and because of the quality of horses offered to ship semen off of i i think that has toned that down quite a bit yeah see i always thought the opposite i thought it was better for the draft horse in general just because you get you can breed to better stallions and improve the the breed in general. I guess I was totally the opposite of that. And now everybody's shipping, so that makes a difference too. You know, there's like you just said, Chad, there's more choices to choose from. Yeah, there's a lot more choices now. 
And a lot of well, people, the they don't want to have a stallion around, you know. I was just going to say to have a stallion around. And then the worst thing about stallions, and I'm sure you guys see it with the shipping too. A lot of times you're like three or four years in on a stallion before that first crop of fools hits the sales. So you'll have like a, a huge boost right off the bat. And then it goes quiet for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden three and four year olds hit the sales and people start seeing the, the offspring a little more. And then you get a big boom again. Yeah, pretty well. That's yeah. that's pretty well how it works. Yeah. And that's kind of the trouble with it, or at least from an outside perspective, I guess. The trouble with it a lot of times is if you have your own stallion, it's kind of the same thing. If if you, <laughs> you're breeding of that stallion and all of a sudden you're three or four years in and you say, uh-oh, <laughs> these things suck. <laughs> that's where we were extremely spoiled with King. Um is they bred two mares with him when he was a two-year-old. And both those offspring were world champions, weren't they? And uh, then... I don't know. The one was a gray gelding. He did good, but the other was a Sterling's Polly. Polly, yeah. She, yeah. She was, and, then, and then he just continued from there. You know, we never had a waiting period with him or a wondering period. Um, he was just kind of a special individual. Well, it just seemed like horses like that crossed on anything you bred them to. It's not like yeah, you had he, to have a specific mare to breed them to, which makes yeah, it huge. Yeah, that's right. And he was, you know, he didn't have any genetic anomalies that, you know, would concern you. And um, he just, he seemed to, he would improve on anything he was bred to. And And were there some average colts out of them yeah you know there would be but if if you went back and looked at their their dam oftentimes they were even below average you know but he uh right. he was just kind of a prepotent stallion well yeah, he's he such a such a freak too i mean not very often is a stallion gonna stand up for how many years did he breed 20 years 24 24 years of breeding yeah yeah and was and just was such a sound, sound horse, you know. And was still producing modern, like it's not like he modernized the Pertrans when he started breeding, but he was still modernizing Pertrans when he was done breeding. And still yeah, I don't breeding. even know how to explain. There is no explanation for. Like I said, yeah. he was just kind of a unique animal. We we have four mares in full to king for next year and he's been dead for two years yeah, with frozen semen and they all settled on they all settled with one dose um you know even even when you warm up and look at his frozen semen we get lots of chilled semen in here that doesn't look that good mm-hmm. well and that's kind of what i find even like with the hitch sometimes you get like a horse that gets to be is really outstanding as a three or four year old and then all of a sudden and you think like, wow, that horse has got the freakiest long neck. And then all of a sudden they're 13 or 14 years old and they got a pretty average length of neck. You know, just that's just the evolution of three or four uh, crosses or whatever. And all of a sudden, yeah, they're like, oh, they're just kind of average now. And 15 years ago, that was horse was super freaky long necked. And now they're just kind of average. And 
that's one thing like with King that was always so impressive to me. Like everything you seen off them, there was, they always had great front ends. And from the day he started breeding till the day he was, he's still breeding. They all have great front ends. It seemed like. Yeah. Yeah. I think they very consistent horse. He was. And, and like I said, just sound. I mean, he had a hawk on him the day he died like a three-year-old. You know, he just, um, I just don't even know how to explain him. Let's get into the hitching. So, Chad, you started, you basically grew up with it, gelding hitch. When did you start driving the family hitch? How old were you when you started wheeling them? Mm-hmm. Well, gosh, I'm just trying to think. So it would have been like 1985, 15 years old. My dad had hurt his back before the Michigan Great Lakes. Might have been 86. Anyway, just we got there and I had driven the hitch at home practice and stuff like that. But he was always the guy at the show. But He said he couldn't drive him there. I was going to have to drive the six there. And uh, I did that day and and he never did again after that day so i i, I want to say it was 86 87 in there i guess but uh a long time and then you said you switched to mares in 96 96 there was a world congress in kansas city in 95 and that was the last year we pitched geldings and we went to uh mares all mares in 96 mm-hmm. Part of that, though, was that we were getting into these stallions and breeding and we we're like, this doesn't really make sense to end up with retired geldings. Um, if we switch to the mares, then when they retire, we could, you know, get them into a, a we wanted a bigger breeding program. So that was a big part of why we did that. And with the geldings, you guys went to the Florida kind of all over, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Won the finals I mean, we, one year, didn't you? Yeah. 90, the 93 yeah. season, I think. But back then, I mean, we went to probably six shows <laughs> qualified, you know, and it was a lot different. A lot different. So uh, we... I think when we sold the geldings, the majority of them went to, uh, I think they got split up between Mulligans and uh, Cedar Farm, John Leakley. They bought them, and we bought quite a few mares from Bob Robinson in Michigan. He had the hitchy high-going mares at the time. Some South Valley did it, and... South Valley Prince Ha Ha mares, a couple MG's Black Diamond mares, and that's that's kind of what we started with there. One of the first really good hitch mares we had, you guys are probably too young to even remember her, but her name was Champagne. Oh, I remember. And, uh, she was kind of ahead of her time in mare hitching. Yeah. Yeah, we were very fortunate to start out with a good group of mares, but we had an idea of what we really wanted and and that's what we went after and they weren't fifty thousand bucks a piece back then (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we, we couldn't afford to buy horses like that. A lot of the mares, even the geldings that, you know, and that, that we got were other people's rejects, stuff that had run away or it was hard to get along with or had some kind of issue. Because well, Chad's very good at working with horses like that. And that was a heck of a lot cheaper than having to go out and pay full price for stuff. Five Star Harness, your five-star source for custom-built biothane show harness. Where passion for horses drives innovation and fuels hard work to make your dreams come true. Whether you are training, driving for pleasure, participating in futurities or shows, it is imperative to have quality, comfortable, well-fitted harness that stands up to any curveball that may come your way. Each harness is carefully crafted and both comfort and safety in mind for horse and driver. Drawing from personal horse training experience and mentorship, from drivers and trainers in the industry. Your horses are your personal stars, and we build harness to reflect that bond. Enhancing your horse is where it's at. Our popular options include Five Star's signature deep curve breastplate to fit young horses featuring lots of adjustment as the horse grows, or if you're starting out and need multiple sizes for different horses without investment in a lot of collars. Also offered are show collars and scotch tops for more traditional look. So whether you are driving a single, a six, an eight, or anything in between, Five Star Harness has got you covered. We love special projects and custom orders, so don't hesitate to call or text 519-323-7008. Once again, the number 519-323-7008. Follow us on Facebook at Five Star Harness to view multiple options. Look for Wilma at some of the upcoming shows and sales, and in the meantime, don't hit the rails. So then you... uh... You showed your own for quite some time. What year did you guys start with Jane and partner with her with the the fall? The fall of two thousand nine was uh, so our first year with the hitch would have been two thousand ten. So thirteen show seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because we took them, you know, 2010, we took them and won the World Congress for her in Iowa that year. Mm-hmm. That was her the first. F- the first few years, did you kind of mix some of yours and some of hers? And there's kind of a. Um, just one. Just Lou? Just Lou. <laughs> Everybody knows the ours. Who was one that came to us because she was a bit of a. Not young. Yeah. I'll never forget. Uh, whoever was heading her wasn't the deal with her. You couldn't grab her line, pull her ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You grabbed her bit and tried to pull her ahead. She'd maybe flip over. Yeah. She'd tip over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She did it in uh, the big E one year. And you know what it's like when someone has a horse go over everybody in the stands. It doesn't matter if they even know what a horse (laughs) is. They got to run in and, pull their knives out you know and she's laying there in a heap and all the rest of them are just laying around or standing around her you know are you gonna get up and she's not going anywhere and this guy comes running up he's gonna start cutting that shanahan harness off (laughs) well you know Rhonda cole (laughs) he didn't end up cutting any harness (laughs) (laughs) he got politely told to put his knife away yeah Oh geez. But we, we used her for 
But we we tried to retire her when she was 14. She didn't want to be retired or retired. And then I think we used her last year. She was 16. We used her. She was a good broodmare too. Like she produced. Oh yeah. She was, she was having a foal almost every year. Uh-huh. And yeah, like she had American a full foals too. Like not just common. Oh, yeah, she had, some, she had she a had full every time. year from when she was a four-year-old, except for the year we were going to the finals in Denver. We left her open. And uh, I think that was the only year she didn't have a foal. Yeah, I remember that year. I I rode with Chad. Oh, yeah, actually. you went. Yeah, you went. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. right. And I remember he made it very clear to me, you don't stand in front of the leaders. You stand right behind her. And take a whip. <laughs> and if she moves, maybe just tap her a little bit, but don't don't stand in front of her. <laughs> uh, shoot. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, she was she was a special one. Yeah, there won't be too many come around like that, that's for sure. What the are some other ones? Than- what are some other ones off the top of your heads that over the years that stand out as some of the unique or the ones that you're most proud of? Well, with Jane, the, the Rops Roseanne mare, Lou's mate. I mean, that was quite a pair of horses. I, I just, yeah. I think that'll be the best lead team I ever drive. That was a very well-matched, just a nice pair of horses. I remember uh, wheeling into New York in, is like the champion. They have a champion class for everything in New York. It was a champion <laughs> team, and I was kind of proud of myself. I wheeled in there with a pair that I thought was pretty cool. And then I seen Rose and Lou come wheel in. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll take reserve honors today. <laughs> we're Jane, we're fortunate enough that we we had run into some big mares through our time with Jane, and there was we had a ER's Priscilla was one. Uh she was cheap one. in Gordyville too, wasn't she? Yeah. Like if 22? I remember right, and I don't know if 20, this, this story, I'm pretty sure if I remember this right, did Pete not buy her and you told him that Pete, you didn't really want her? No, Pete bought her, but she didn't look good at Gordyville. But I had gone to look at her before Gordyville, and we were questioning her whether she was going to be good enough. And I said, I, I'd seen her at. Harley Kaufman's place. That's who was getting her ready. I said, I guarantee you she's going to be good enough. And she was. And uh, ended up being one of our best wheel mares we had. And she but, only sold for like, what, 16, 17,000, something like that? I think that. it was 19 or 20, but it was okay. still, it was. We for what she was, was, super. Yeah, silly. we thought it was quite a deal. So, uh, yeah. Then we had the Tiffany mare, the Glen Cal Tiffany, uh, and ER's Crystal has been a favorite. So all big mares, a lot of good big mares. Crystal was another good big mare. She still is, I guess. Yeah. But I think when you went to Denver with us, we had a different crystal at that time. We had that Robin Lawn's King's Crystal, and she was a good big mare, too. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. 
Well, and Rose, Pete had bought Rose too. Yeah. Um, out of the dis, dis, well, or not really a dispersal, but a you're a Ginrich production a, sale a, yeah. or whatever. And okay. when we were making the arrangements, making our plans, um, they, you know, Pete was kind of surprised when Chad said that we were bringing Rose up. He, and he said, you want Rose? And Chad said, uh, I plan to build the hitch around Rose. <laughs> and, uh, and we, that's pretty much what we did. She lasted a long time too. She's, I mean, she's still, she's up at Jane's retired now, but you know, uh, she's got a lot of age on her now too. Well, and credit to you guys that, like a lot of those, a lot of your best mares, they stood the test of time. I mean, I think that. Yeah, was, they did. I think yeah. that's a credit goes to horsemen on deals like that. When, when you get an elite one, you guys took care of them, right? Yeah, yeah, we were we were very fortunate. But we were always on the same page with Jane um, through our whole, you know, relationship, showing that the the horse's well being always comes first. We'll miss whatever we have to miss if if it's beneficial to a horse, and we've we've just always been agreed on that. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So, speaking of Jane and your relationship and going forward, uh, you guys are dispersing. Is is that correct? Just just her pitch down here. Just, just the eight hitch mares that we yeah. have here. I got you. Yeah. Morgan is still, she's going to still do breeding and, and we'll probably have some halter horses for her. And the the gray mare she, she bought this year, she's keeping her. So we'll fold her out here and prob- probably show her just, just different path. Yeah. Just scaling back a little bit. We're, we're not, we're no longer spring chickens either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, yeah. uh, what's the gray mare bred to? Uh, she's bred to that Thunderhill Airy horse of, uh, Monroe Yoder's. Oh, I got, she was bred when you got her. That's right. Yeah. She was bred when we got her. Yep. So we're at the moment of the podcast where everybody joined was waiting for, let's hear some Chuck stories. Oh my god! <laughs> how long has no, 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 Chuck worked for you? Uh, how long has it been? Uh, he was two months seniority on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the year I the year I went to Dawson Creek to work, we imported Chuck in here to to help, help out chores. help out with chores and making hay and that kind of stuff. So. He was supposed to be here for about four months, and that was 31 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Yippers. Yeah, you don't remember. Misses too many days of work. (laughs) But most good Chuck stories are made for tack rooms and cold bud lights <laughs> uh, shoot. I know one good one when he, when he lost the keys in New York to a semi <laughs> oh, oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. That might have been our first year with Jane. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Had a brand new semi. The leasing guy was so proud that he snagged this truck for us. Had like five miles on it or something. And Chuck loses the keys at New York State Fair and does it. He could have told us when it happened and we'd have had two or three days to get the spare set FedExed up. But unfortunately, he kept it a secret and didn't tell us till the Sunday. The last day. Yeah. And then (laughs) there wasn't a there, there wasn't a single dealership anywhere in the area that could get into that truck because of how the new keys are uh, coded or whatever. So yeah, that was about a $1,200 boof there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget. I thought you were going to bring up the one where he, they were having a party at all stars stalls there at Indiana state fair. And you weren't really supposed to be drinking, but the police didn't bother you if you weren't causing any trouble. And, the police started walking down the end and Chuck saw them and threw his cup and ran. So they thought he was wanted. <laughs> Tackled him, brought him back to the party and said, this guy says he's with you at the horses. Do you know him? And Larry Hansberger said, never seen him before in my life. <laughs> so they cuffed him and took him into the glass doors and, I don't know. Someone came and got me and said, we need you to get Chuck out of trouble. (laughs) 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 Old Larry. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll never forget being in Harrisburg one year and I was working for Donnie. I was pretty much just a kid and we had a yearling filly and she had been, she'd won everywhere and she was set up pretty good to be all American or whatever. But we had to show her in Harrisburg and Lansing to kind of seal the deal. And we got to Harrisburg and she had a couple warts on her nose. And the vet, the show vet in Harrisburg at that time, like he was, he had to get checked in and everything. And he seen two warts on this filly's nose and he wouldn't let her in the fairgrounds type of thing. So we took her back, I think, to Chad and Rhonda's. And then we just snuck her in in the middle of the night and showed her the next day. But Long story short, Rhonda thought she'd get this vet back. So she mixed a bunch of DMSO up and put all over this guy's car door handle. (laughs) (laughs) And this, uh, then we're all sitting there watching this guy get into his vet truck or vet car or whatever he had. It was a hearse. It was an old hearse. (laughs) It was, wasn't it? Uh, He started like smacking his lips and like, (laughs) (laughs) we're all just rolling, laughing. We got this guy back. (laughs) Yeah, we used to have a lot of fun back in the old days. Speaking of Larry, how how did that in Penwoods all evolve? Uh, Him selling mineral for you guys. Rhonda painted him with blue coat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he was selling before that. We just, uh, we had been friends with Larry for quite some time. And uh, when we first started making the Penwoods, it was just mainly for us, my brother's horses and some local people here. And then some other people in Ohio were interested and it got, that we needed a distributor further west than 
Pennsylvania and we approached Larry and that was maybe one of our first years in business and he had he was got on board and was with it till he passed away you know he for years he had uh, really taken that on and done was very successful with his end of things for sure just i think his personality is he was just such a one of a kind person you know a special person i'm so proud of myself with larry <laughs> i think it was the first year we moved to idaho here he kept trying to talk me into buying this and buying that and so i said all right larry i'll take two pallets of mineral of this and that or whatever but i said i want it free shipping he goes absolutely <laughs> it ended up being like fifteen hundred dollars in shipping i think by the time <laughs> i got out here i think he lost his ass on it <laughs> he stood right by it that's yeah that's, yeah, that's for sure years. that's for sure yep Yippers. Where can we uh, reach you guys as far as uh, if people want to book some book into stallions and stuff? What's the best way? To uh, so the barn number is the best. 814-364-2183. Or Facebook. I guess. Yeah. And Facebook. And Chad, do you control the Facebook page? or? Yeah. <laughs> I, I work it all from my phone. <laughs> yeah, the flipper. <laughs> no, Rhonda doesn't even let me comment on Facebook. So I, uh, I told him if he wants to comment, I'll set him up his own page, <laughs> and he, he doesn't want it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have uh, Rhonda has uh, her own page uh facebook page and we have a penwoods bertrand's page too so that would be the best way to contact us how many mares of your own you guys got to pull this year um ten. yeah yeah that's the number we like because of all the other stuff that comes in too it's about all we have room for and time for Absolutely. Yep. Got anything else, Mark? No, I don't. I just thank you guys for coming on and sharing your story. And we've had quite a few requests here in the last year to get you guys on and finally got it done. Glad you guys came on. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Absolutely. Go watch the Steelers. Hopefully they can sneak past the Browns so you don't have to hear about that from all those guys and homes. yeah yeah <laughs> i need them to lose i got 200 bucks with mark that the browns won't win 10 games this year and get a little bit nervous <laughs> <laughs> they do have a legit deal. all right mark. take care guys all, all right, right we'll see you yeah. 
The Smith family has been in the meat snack business since 1975. There are now four generations of Smiths working with Glenwood Snacks. Glenwood beef jerky is made with solid pieces of 100% premium beef and smoked with real wood smoke. Their jerky is in high protein, low in calories, and darn good to eat. Also, look out for new lines of meat sticks. Look for the Double S Belgians, the equine ambassadors of Glenwood beef jerky at a show near you. Browse our many flavors of 100% beef jerky, signature meat sticks, and snack bundles at glenwoodsnacks.com. Follow on Facebook, Instagram, or by calling 208-624-9851. Orders over $50 ship for free. Glenwood Snacks. Well, joining us now is Chris Cole from Penwood's Perspective. So let's focus a little bit about some fall winter feeding. Okay. Um, bringing horses in off pasture. Uh, you know, maybe they had a, <clears throat> excuse me, a mineral tub out there. They were just kind of licking on. Yep. Had great pasture all summer. You bring them in. Uh, do you start feeding like really slowly, gradually in for the winter? Or how, how do you go about that? Okay. So we always suggest that. Anytime you make any kind of feed change at all, you do that on a gradual basis. So that's a big feed change coming in off of no feed to feed. So do that gradually. Okay. Make sure that they got plenty of forage. Okay. Plenty of fresh water. And again, I'm going to beat everybody to death on that. But feed salt every day. Feed salt every day. So. Mm -hmm. Um, feeding wise, oats, complete feed. Give us your thoughts on that. Okay. Way, way back when I thought I knew everything, which I don't know that anymore. <laughs> you don't. Okay. I don't. I, one time I thought I knew it all. I think but when the, I get to your age, I'll know everything, but maybe I No, won't. no, it goes opposite. <laughs> and the older you get, the less you learn. Okay. I thought mine was the only way, but it's not. Okay. So... Lots of different horse operations in lots of different areas have availability of certain things, okay? So if I was descriptive of myself, my option would be we feed oats. But if I was down in Virginia or the Carolinas or Texas or someplace like that, where oats is not quite as available, complete feeds would be okay too. Okay, too. My, my first option is always oats. Okay. But I also understand, tell me what's available in your area. Okay. And then, then we'll pick from there. So if I say oats and you say, hey, we only got Quaker oats at the grocery store. Okay. You're not going to feed many. You're not going to feed many horses with little yeah. bottles of Quaker oats. Or if the quality is poor. Or if the quality is poor. That's yeah. True. And, and I think to transition into that, I, I've fed oats. Everybody feeds oats by the coffee can or the scoop. But that's not necessarily the same. It, it is not. We, we encourage people to do two things. Know what your horse weighs. Okay. So for easy, for easy things, so let's, say, let's say a horse weighs 1,000 pounds. A horse will eat 2% of their body weight in a dry matter basis per head per day. So 21 or 22 pounds of feed, grain, hay, Salt, okay, that all adds up to about 2%, okay? Then go 
instead of using a coffee cup or a coffee can or a scoop. Or if you do, find a way to weigh exactly what that is. So maybe my scoop holds three pounds. Maybe your scoop holds four. But it'd be nice to know that. Right. It'd be nice to know that. And that way you can sort of know exactly what you're feeding. So on your complete feed, it always says on the bag what's in it. It's so much protein, so much fat. And then it also might have minerals in it. How do you counter with feeding mineral, top dressing mineral on your complete feed? Because on the bag, it's telling you, oh, you don't need to feed mineral with this. Okay, so when you look on the bag, when when you feed a complete feed, make sure you look at the directions, okay? And the directions oftentimes will say, to be a fortified feed, feed 1% of body weight per head per day. So say, for example, I'm feeding my 1,000-pound horse. That means I need to feed 10 pounds, okay? In most cases, people will not feed up to the directions, okay? So... Because they're trying to sell more. <laughs> they, they, they are. And, and they want to fortify it at, at a level where you feed it at the optimal level. Right. Okay. For them. Okay. So I'm feeding five pounds instead of 10 pounds of that complete feed. So I'm missing 50% of my supplementation or my micronutrients. I got to pick that up somewhere. Okay. So if somebody says to me, well, I'm feeding a complete feed. Well, if you're feeding one of my, my straight vitamin mineral package, then I say feed it at half rate. Okay. Right. Yeah, feed it at, feed it at half rate. The other thing you need to look at is if you're feeding a complete feed and it's what they call a sweet feed, so it's got oats and corn and some sort of protein in it, and it's got molasses or corn oil, and you can look and see it all at all the nutrients. You know, you can I see corn in there, and I see oats in there, and I see roasted soybeans or something like that. Then you know what you're feeding. So that's good. Okay, if you're feeding a feed it has a big portion of pellet component. You don't actually know what's in those pellets. You, you, you really don't. They could be really good and they could be not so good. And correct me if I'm wrong. Some of those feed companies, depending on the price of different grains and they, they might, you're not maybe going to get the consistency from that, one that, bag. That, that's a correct statement. And what you're describing is you're describing a, uh, a feed formulation, what they call least cost formulation. Now, I am from Pennsylvania, okay? And in our state, most of the pelleted commercial feeds are made in the Harrisburg area, which is southeast of me, the state capital. And the reason they're made in that area is there is a lot of what they call uh, bakery, bakery goods or grain byproducts. We have flour mills in the uh, Harrisburg area. They make pretzels. They make bread. They make potato chips. Hershey Foods is right down there. And all those off-grade things will end up in some sort of a feedstuff, okay? And they could end up in your pellets. Now, not always, but they, but they could, okay? So if you looked at that pellet and you said, uh, I'd really like to know what the components of that pellet are and see whether my horse would eat it. Well, would my horse eat... Candy kisses with the wrapper still. <laughs> okay. Would my horse eat uh, three day old bread with the plastic still on? 
<laughs> okay, would my horse eat pretzels? And but I, you know, they might, <laughs> but I but but I don't know. Right. Okay, and if you have least cost formulation, they take in those components. If you have what they call a closed formula, which means the fee prices will go up and down a lot more, then that means most times you don't have that. So if you're feeding a complete feed, in 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 that's one of your main options. You can simply ask your feed company guy, is this a least cost formulation or is this closed formula? And he says, well, it's least cost formulation. Then you need to start scratching your head. Right. Okay. If it's a closed formula, you should feel pretty good about it. So transitioning to mineral, and I'm sure there's cheaper minerals than Penwood's mineral. I, I, I'm I not, hope there is. I, there probably is. I hope there is. But that. There's a reason for that, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's true. <laughs> I'm sure there, that's true. Can, there might be some Hershey's Kisses wrappers in it. <laughs> there, there, can, there, there could be. We have closed formulas. Okay, our formulas haven't changed for decades. Okay, and if they do change, we change them for the better. Okay, right. for example, New Life. Okay, we changed that formula by adding in mold and mycotoxin binders. We didn't change that formula by saying... OG, we're going to make a pellet out of it so we can use some other stuff that you wouldn't normally feed so we can provide a more economical product to you. Because remember, guys, you're only going to feed what I'm willing to feed to my horses. And I'm like you. I think I do the best job in the world. Okay? So we all get to feed what I think's best. Okay? And you get, all of a sudden, you get to say, okay, if they're willing to feed it, I'm willing to feed it too. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's sort of our, that's our sort of philosophy. Yeah. We would like to thank Ship Shawana Harness and Supply in Ship Shawana, Indiana. Mr. Bob Schrock, if you're looking for products for the show ring or at the farm from A to Z, anything you need, horse nutrition, tack, you name it, make sure you check them out, shipshawanaharness.com, follow them on Facebook, or visit their shop in beautiful Ship Shawana, Amish country, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. till 4 p.m., and Saturday, 8 a.m. till 12 noon. Call Mr. Bob Schrock, 260 768 7254 for all your draft horse needs. So you're feeding in the middle of the winter here. And, um, you know, obviously salt's very important. So they drink a lot of water. Right. Talk a bit about the hay ration. Okay. Uh, hay from out west compared to out east or in the Midwest. Um, what should people be looking at in their hay supply? Okay. So I, I look at this two ways. Okay. I look at it as, as the situation that I sit in. We, we make our own hay. Okay. So we have the ability to make fairly good grass hay, but not very good alfalfa hay. So situation number one, what, what you have is what you got. Okay. Situation number two is I don't make any hay, and, and, I, and I buy it in. Okay. So if I was buying in my hay, I would like to have a hay that has some legume or some alfalfa to it, but I'd also like to have some grass to it because too much protein is just as bad as not enough protein. It, it, it just is. There's just no way around that. Okay? If I was in a breeding program, I would like to be in the same situation. 
some alfalfa, and some grass, okay? I'd be really paying a lot of attention to how the hay was made, whether they use some sort of preservative on it to keep the molds and mycotoxins out of it. And I would also want to know when that alfalfa was made as far as the stage goes. If it was made in full bloom stage, there's some research going on right now. Now, I, I can't give you any lots of details because it's not complete, but they have a lot of, of uh, phytoestrogens, okay? And phytoestrogens in the bloom stage of alfalfa will affect the heat cycles of broodstock, okay? Now, grass hay doesn't have any phytoestrogens in it, okay? That comes with the alfalfa, especially in the, the, the full bloom stage rather than the early stages. So that's just something to take into consideration. So people need to be careful with their hay, oh, is what absolutely. you're saying. I mean, if your mare might not be getting in full. It might be based on the... It, that, that may have something to do with it. Remember, you're, you're feeding 2% of body weight. The majority of that diet will be forage. It won't be feed, okay? If the majority of that forage is in feed, you've got a whole bunch of other problems, okay? You, you said something interesting too much protein is just as bad as not enough. Can you expand on that a little bit? Okay, so let me let me relate that to not horses, but to people. My wife is a nurse practitioner, okay? And she spent a lot of years working in a dialysis unit where everybody knows what dialysis is. It's horrible, right. okay? But, but it's one of those things that keeps people going till they can get those transplants, one of the main things that they were concerned about was making sure that that patient took in exactly the right amount of protein and no more because protein is so hard to digest, okay, that the extra protein made the dialysis portion so much harder. Same with your horse, okay? Don't overfeed pro. Don't underfeed it. Don't overfeed it either because it's really... It's, it's hard for a mammal, a being, to move that extra protein out. So, and protein costs a lot more money than other stuff too. Yeah. So okay. how, do you, how do you test? Do you test your hay? We always do. Yeah. We always do. We always do. How about sugar in hay? I've heard that. Okay. That's, that's, that, a, that's a really interesting project. And, and, and I can tell you this firsthand, okay, I, I, uh, I'm a gentleman farmer, okay? I have my own hay field, but I don't farm it, okay? My neighbor farms it for me, okay? And, and I get hay from him, and then so he doesn't pay any rent. It's a good swap, okay? So first cut hay, the sugar content was four to five times as high as that really green, looks so good you could almost put milk on it and eat it, Fall hay. Really? Okay. Horses wouldn't eat the fall hay because of the sugar, because of the lack of sugar content in the hay, which made it, that first cut so much sweeter. It's got that much more sweet smell. It might not be near as green, but they, they get a lot more out of it. So the sugar content through the season will drop. Okay. You can do some things like uh, uh, more fertilizer, all that kind of stuff. But from the first cut to the fourth cut, you might lose 75% of your sugar content. 
Okay, so always check your head if you can. If if you if you end up and you get a uh, you get your hay for the season, okay. So I got my hay in for the season. Test it, okay. See where you're at. That way you can know whether hey I need to compensate here. Maybe the protein's a little bit low. I need to feed a little bit more protein. Maybe the protein's high, and you need to cut back. So say you were feeding uh, ten or eleven percent hay, and your your grain ration might be fourteen or fifteen percent, or Say my hay 16. Now your grain ration could be 10 or 11. Okay. So do you adjust your minerals? Your no, minerals too? Okay. Or, or, okay. That's, that's an awful let's good question. Let's swing it back to the Penwoods yeah. okay, so perspective. Let's, 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 go back, let's go back to minerals. Okay. So I, I consider myself not spelt, but, you know, not way overweight. So say I weigh 210 pounds. My wife weighs 105. I'm twice as big as she is. She and I take the same vitamins every day. Okay. So vitamins, because they, because they take such a small portion of the diet, the, the movement in that is much less. So I'll eat more calories than she will, but we basically take the same kind of vitamin mineral component in on a daily basis. So Mark, Kyle, you guys got draft horses. I got saddle horses. I feed the same amount of mineral that you do. Okay. You'll feed a lot more grain and a lot more hay. But we're, we're both feeding that three to four ounces of mineral a day. And I'm feeding one, one, one ounce of salt. You guys are feeding two. But it's, it's basically a real small band in that big, wide component, which is daily intake. So on that, and I've always kind of wondered this myself. Can you hurt a horse by feeding too much mineral? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, and what do you have to watch for? Like, what, to, well, what they, do you pay attention to? Well, there's toxicities on all kinds of things. Too much selenium, too much salt, too much, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, moderation's always the key. Try to feed the right amount, okay? Whether it's mineral, feed, protein, fat, Don't be like my 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 dad always was like this. If you got the right nail and the right hammer, a hammer twice as big is twice as good, but it's not. Okay, <laughs> if you have just the hit right, your finger. <laughs> if you have the right nail and the right hammer, use the right nail and the right hammer. Yeah. Don't go get a hammer twice as big. It's, it's not going to be twice as good. It just isn't. I know? tried using a, a sledgehammer one time. To, <laughs> Hammer a horseshoe nail in. <laughs> it didn't work. Oh my! That, so that, so, what's a sign of over, like loose stool? Loose stool, lack of appetite, th- those types of things. Mm-hmm. You know, they just go, they just go uh, overboard. Let's let's go back to salt. Let's assume you're feeding too much salt. The one neat thing about that is they just won't eat it. Okay, so I'm going down my thing. I'm throwing in salt every day. Okay, and I come to horse Bob. Okay, and I look, by glory, there's his salt from this morning. So I'm just going to quit feeding him salt for a couple of days. So you just sort of ease back. I see. Because you, you sort of cause him to lack of appetite sort of thing. So we're here in the winter here. Uh, what's just a general good product? Do you have like your blue label or just for an everyday okay, vitamin so if, mineral? If, or? If, I was, if I was a person whose horses performed, okay, and I knew that they needed to have good foot quality, I'd also always have biotin in my feed. 
Okay, so I'd feed essential hoof and coat. Okay, which is a just a really good general vitamin mineral package with extra biotin. If I was showing deep into the season, having a little window of off time, and then starting up early again, I'd probably stay on a biogeneration or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so foot quality because it again, if something goes wrong with foot quality, it takes so much time to recover from it. You can't let that lapse. Another thing that's fantastic is the essential or the essential rescue. Essential rescue really works good. Now, when you're in the off season, essential rescue really helps that foot recover, but it'll also give that horse a little extra body weight. So you need to plan for that. Okay. So if I have a horse that's just right, his feet are a little bit poor and I go to a central rescue, then I need to adapt his feed ration back a little bit so that he doesn't get too heavy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Because of the whey protein. Yeah. Because of the whey protein. Yeah. Okay. It just does. It just, it's, it's super duper good. Yeah. It's super duper good. All right. Very good. Thanks for joining us, Chris. And well, thank you guys for inviting perspective. me. I appreciate that a lot. I hope we do this again soon. Yeah. Okay. Imagine driving from one of the smoothest riding carriages on the market while training for your upcoming driving season. Now, let Twisted Luck Carriages help you with a smooth transition. With our new and used and consigned carriages, containers direct to the U.S. and Canada, and a rapidly growing parts department available on our online store, we are your one-stop shop for all your carriage needs. Twisted Luck is excited to announce that for the holiday season, we will be offering some great discounts. For more information and to check out our online store, visit twistedluck.com. Now is the time to design your new carriage. Call Rex Mann at 405-326-5623. Or visit our website at twistedluck.com. Twisted Luck Carriages, where if you can dream it, we can build it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you drop by a Reinhold Tack and Western Wear mailbag, podcast at naclassicseries.com. Once again, podcast at naclassicseries.com. Any questions or feedback you might have, we would love to hear from you. I hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great week, and we'll see you down the road.